from being created. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our final um, talk um, here this afternoon, I guess now, um, kind of titled it a program for conversion. Um, and just a, a, kind of a, a reminder, a little bit of a review and, and, and a certain a particular element that I'd like to draw to your attention uh, for this program of conversion. So the opportunity um, to this, this conversion of life on our part is again, a continuous openness to the power of God's grace, the way we've been describing it. And uh, so in your booklets, I put down um, uh, from a spiritual writer that I read long ago, uh, the eight B's. Um, and uh, it's just a nice way to, to kind of look at, practically speaking, how do we go about the, the midst of this uh, conversion? And so just want to review a little bit. I think most of these B's have come up over the, over the course of the last couple of talks. Um, first and foremost, be concerned. One of the typical traits of morally mediocre people uh, and even spiritually mediocre people is their feeling of a cozy at-homeness with their illness, in a sense, you know, with, uh, with that mediocrity. It's uh, good enough, as we've been kind of talking about it. Uh, baptized men and women are living a life, a, a new life, the supreme life that gives meaning, a glorious meaning that is the reason for our huge universe. We're living in this relationship with God. God pays us the compliment of calling us to live that life fully and perfectly and to be transformed in his image. Um, we are meant to be filled with the other fullness of uh, utter fullness of endless beauty. And finally, to be unspeakably enthralled in the beatific vision in a risen body. We cannot settle for anything less than this. So if we are at, if we are less than this, we should be concerned. A number of years ago, I thought this um, was beautiful. A number of years ago, Pope John Paul II, during one of his international trips, had taken to bed with a fever. Perhaps too soon for some people, he wanted to resume his taxing schedule. You've heard these stories about John Paul II before, I'm sure. One of the Polish sisters who cared for domestic matters at the Vatican expressed her concern at his decision. I'm worried about your holiness. Your holiness being the title of the Pope, right? Uh, she remarked, he immediately responded, I too am worried about my holiness. <laughs> right? John Paul II was concerned about his living the gospel more and more and more. His duty, what he'd been asked to do by God in, in fulfilling that, you know, in a, in a big way, especially in the midst of his vocation. If we aspire to be deeply converted and to love generously, um, we, we need to be bothered about the level that we have so far reached or not reached. Secondly, we need to be determined. And I'm not gonna go through all of these, uh, you'll see in a minute, but I just wanna reaffirm a couple of these things that I think have come out, have come out in, the, in the last couple of talks. Uh, to be determined, um, again, just that contentment, if you will, 
with mediocrity, our woundedness, our, our selfish tendencies shown in repeated venial sins, all of these things provide an abundance of evidence that without determination and solid repentance, that second and third degrees of conversion we talked about um, simply just won't happen, right? So by that, I mean that movement from good to better, from better to best. Be determined. God's grace is needed, of course. That's what we're going to talk about here. Um, we're not Pelagians who think we can save ourselves, but it takes determination even to cooperate the little bit that we need to cooperate. Right? It takes that determination to cooperate with the grace of God because that grace of God is not forced upon us. Um, be motivated and be specific. We talked about that in the last in the last talk. Uh, for we want to that conversion of life and that cooperation with grace is so vitally important, not only for our own relationship with Christ, but for our spousal relationship, our family relationship, our parish, our world, the works. Sanctity is key. Presence of Christ in the world. Um, and we mentioned be specific at the end of the, the last talk, talking about just looking specifically what aspect of my life and what specifically can I do to work on that aspect of my life, to cooperate with God's grace in that particular aspect of my life. The other three B's that are mentioned in your, in your, uh, in your booklet are be committed to meditative and contemplative prayer, be humble, be persevering. And I want to touch on these here in this last talk. I think these are perhaps most important of all. Just hopefully you'll see that uh, by the time I'm done, I hope. Because I don't want you to get the impression that we are Pelagian, that, that it is all on us, that the aspect of conversion is all on us. Our, our God does not force himself on us, so our role is important. But it, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's small. But remember, we're in a relationship with a God who, where every hair of our head is numbered. right? So minuscule, small, does not mean unimportant. It's not how it works. Um, I, I, love, uh, I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport. Uh, for those of you who know baseball a little bit, baseball is a game of failure. Uh, if you are successful three out of ten times uh, for a base hit, right, you're probably in the Hall of Fame, uh, for a, at least for a long career. You're probably in the Hall of Fame, successful three out of ten times. It's a game of failure. Um, and so naturally, since I'm too fat to play baseball, that's not true. Have you seen some of those players? Right? <laughs> Come on. Uh, so instead, but my baseball playing days are over. I'd be hurt in a, in, a, in a heartbeat. So now I've taken up golf. For those of you who played golf, golf is a game of failure. Deep cleansing breath. It just gets me all riled up even thinking about it. Golf is a game of failure. Lots of people try golf, and they do not continue to play golf uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, <laughs> the way we approach the failure in golf, right, is oftentimes stubbornness, bitterness, anger, frustration, right? all those things that lead you to the confessional. 
And oftentimes, many of us persevere in the game of golf, in this game of failure, right? Because I'm not very good. Uh, but I, uh, it is, it's teaching me. That, that's actually for a whole other talk. I just want to use this as an example. Uh, it, it, it's teaching me. But we persevere in the midst of that frustration and that bitterness and that stubbornness. But oftentimes, golf is not very fun when it's like that. It's not that enjoyable when we, when we approach it like that. Most people give up. And because it's so frustrating, it's a game of failure. Most people in the midst of that failure, they, they give up. They, they, they stop trying. And I found that, you know, baseball and golf, uh, they remind me so much of the spiritual life. And I do think this is why I continue to persevere in trying to play golf, trying to play golf um, and would play baseball if I could. But it, it's very similar to the spiritual life because there's a tremendous amount of frustration there's a tremendous amount of failure in the spiritual life. Now, by spiritual life, I'm principally talking about conversion of life, like we've been talking about here, and the life of prayer, right? So deep meditative and contemplative prayer is at the heart of our relationship with God. But I don't, if you've tried deep meditative and contemplative prayer, many people approach deep meditative contemplative prayer, and it, and it ultimately leads to frustration, anger, stubbornness, right? Uh, it, 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 where is, I don't know if I'm, I don't know. Am I hearing him? Is that me? Is it him? Is it, is he there? I'm not sure. What do I do? How do I do this? Where is this going? Uh, these kinds of things. Most people, many people give up. When we look at the life of conversion, the way we've been talking about it, you know, I'm trying to motivate you into this, this, these aspects of conversion in your life. Um, but the reality is, is that oftentimes when we, when we work on conversion in our life, it oftentimes leads to frustration, anger, stubbornness, failure, failure. How many times have we tried to change something about our life? How many times have we tried to overcome a sin in our life? Right? And it's led to failure. And sometimes we just live in that. Maybe you know angry Catholics, angry church people who are just frustrated. And they're frustrated about their own relationship with Christ and they take it out on other people. They, they put on other people what they're experiencing in their own relationship with Christ. We all know people like this. And they maintain it. They're there in the midst of that. But that's not a happy place to be. That's not the joy that I was talking about previously, right? And oftentimes, what do they do? They give up. They give up. All of us know people who have given up in the practice of the faith, in the spiritual life. And we have a tendency, I think, especially in the spiritual life, this is true, uh, you know, in, in things like golf as well, but a tendency in the spiritual life to be very stubborn about it. And what I mean by that is stubborn in the sense that I should be able to figure this out. I should be able to, I should be able to do this on my own. I should be able to figure this out. I should be able to, I should be able to try. I just need to try harder. I need to work harder at this. I need to be more disciplined in my life. And then this, this, this could be taken care of. Then this conversion could happen. Then this life of prayer would take place. I need to, I, I need to I need to think about this more. This this is this is where I've learned a little something from golf. Um, I don't know if any of you have uh, studied. You know, so when you're bad at golf, then you learn. You try to watch the people who do it really well, and you read the books, and you watch the YouTube videos, and so on. Right? So you might even take a lesson, and you and then then when you stand over the ball, here's what you're thinking. Right? You think about. Well, I gotta hold my hands just like this, and when I move my hands, I gotta go back like this, and then I gotta keep my butt this way, and I gotta keep my head, my head's there, and, run, and and then and then 
And then eventually we get to the swing and surprise, it doesn't go well. <laughs> and then we try to abandon all of that and we just say, okay, I'm just gonna be free, right? Just, just do it, right? We think about it, we're thinking about it over and over. This is what we do, this is the stubbornness I think sometimes. We are excited about grace, about living the life of grace about pursuing sanctity, about living the life for which we were created. We're excited about conversion in our life. I want to change this for my sake, for the sake of my spouse, my family, others around me. I want to change this. We're excited about that. And then failure comes. And what happens? So, brothers and sisters, um, uh, a number of years ago, I had the opportunity to go uh, on mission in Russia. I was in Eastern Russia for about a month and uh, working on mission, we were just working on evangelization mostly. We worked with old people, parishes, kids, a whole slew of people just working on evangelization. Um, the Orthodox uh, don't do a lot of evangelization over there. And so uh, just trying to help people. Uh, I'll never forget, just to give you a sense of this evangelization in Russia, a real quick, real quick story. In one place we were um, putting on, you know, language was a bit of a barrier. My Russian is... I don't know. I don't know any Russian. Uh, <laughs> most of us didn't. And so the language is a barrier. So we put on a skit. And we put on a skit of the nativity. And we put on this skit of the nativity. I thought it was really beautiful, very profound, amazing. Right. And then after the skit was done, we sat back and the translator was there to help us. And we said to him, to the translator, ask these kids, ask these kids and adults who were there and, and, and ask them if they have any questions, if they have any questions about what they saw. And what and, and so on, right? And and what what was being described to them by the translator? And the first question came up from a little boy, who said, "Who is this uh, blessed virgin you're talking about?" That just blew me away. Never heard of Mary. This is the kind of evangelization work we were we were trying to do uh, in that space. In in the course of my travels over there, I had heard about this guy. Uh, Father Walter Chiswick. Yeah. Father Walter Chiswick. He's a Jesuit, right? Can anything good come from the Jesuits? <laughs> to quote scripture, you can edit that out. Um, I'd heard about this guy, Father Walter Chiswick. He had something to do with Russia. I thought, hey, in my month in Russia, this is going to, I should read his books. Uh, he has a, a, a memoir uh, of just the account of his time in Russia called With God in Russia. And then he wrote the book that he wanted to write first called He Leadeth Me. For those of you who are doing the Hallow app uh, for this Lenten season, or if you're interested in it, they are basing uh, the prayer times of this Hallow app, the 40-day prayer challenge on the Hallow app on He Leadeth Me uh, with the help of Father Mike Schmitz and some other uh, really good people. Um, so I read these books, and uh, I was just changed my life. Changed my life. So, and it's and it's vital to what we're talking about here. And so I just want to introduce you for those of you who don't. Hopefully, many of you know Father Walter Chiswick's story. I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you um, kind of wrote down a, a description of what I'm what I'm talking about here. So, Father Walter Chiswick um, was a was a tough kid. And I kind of mean that literally. In fact, that's what they called him in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania, when he was growing up uh, in the early 1910s. He was called a tough. Uh, basically, it was not a compliment. 
Um, he, the young Walter was a bully, a gang leader, and a street fighter. He had no interest in school, uh, and many days could not be bothered uh, to attend. Walter was an unlikely priest, as he titled the first chapter of his memoir. Yet following his eighth grade year, to everyone's surprise, he announced his intention to join the seminary. Even in seminary, while his devotion to the faith was unquestioned, he was branded as tough, stubborn, and fiercely self-reliant. Always striving to be stronger and better than his classmates, he made sure he performed the most difficult penances and aesthetic practices and disciplines. One Lent, he ate only bread and water for the entire 40 days as a seminarian. Another time, he gave up meat for a whole year. Then one day without warning, three years before he was to be ordained, he quit the diocesan seminary to join the Jesuits, even though it would mean seven more years of training and formation. He said, I asked no one's advice, Walter recalled. I just prayed and fought with myself and finally decided since it was so hard, I would do it. His proud, hard-headed style almost got him kicked out of the Jesuit novitiate. Walter was ordained as a Jesuit, and then in response to an urgent appeal from Pope Pius XII to the Jesuits, he volunteered for service in communist Russia as a secret missionary. This required four more years of arduous training in Russian language, history, and liturgy, and the assignment that he took was dangerous. He was to be an underground priest. The Catholic faith had been outlawed violently in Soviet Russia. Churches had been destroyed, seminaries closed, the faithful scattered, bishops and priests tortured and locked up in concentration camps. Living under an assumed name in, the logging, in a logging town in the Ural Mountains for a year, Father Chizik worked as a logger while secretly celebrating mass, hearing confessions, and performing the other spiritual and pastoral works of a priest. But in 1941, he was caught and charged with being a Vatican spy. Held in Moscow's infamous Lubyanka prison, he was brutally interrogated by his captors for more than a year, until finally he broke down and signed a false confession. He was sentenced to 15 years hard labor in one of the Soviet Union's most notorious gulags. He would spend nearly two dozen years in isolation and suffering in Soviet prisons, including five years in Siberia, not far from the Arctic Circle. His family gave him up for dead, the Jesuits even celebrated a mass for the repose of his soul. When he was finally released in 1963, he remembered not the sufferings he had endured at the hands of his persecutors, but the shame and weakness he had felt in signing that false confession. At first, he said he had been ashamed at his weakness. He blamed himself for not having been strong enough to withstand the tortures. He blamed God for abandoning him. He said, my will had failed. I had proved to be nowhere near the man I thought I was. I had yielded to fear, to threats, to the thought of death. I did not spare God from my reproaches. Why had he failed me at the critical juncture? Why had he not sustained my strength and my nerve? Why had he not inspired me to speak out boldly? Why had he not shielded me by his grace from the fear of death? But in the dark days that followed his signing of that false confession, Father Chiswick prayed hard and made an intense examination of conscience about that process. With the help of God's grace, he came to some life-changing understandings about himself. He came to see that he had approached his arrest and his interrogation as he had everything else in his life, as a contest of wills and a test of his own powers and strength. 
What he came to realize was that it was not the Soviets who were contesting with him, it was God. And it was not his physical strength and willpower that were being tested. It was his confidence in God that had been put on trial and had been found wanting. Father Chizik had put too much stock in his own powers, trusted too much in his own abilities. Although he prayed often, he realized that he had never really prayed out of any sense of true thanksgiving, out of any sense of his need for God, that he actually needed God. The answer was a single word, he said, I. He said, I was ashamed because I knew in my heart that I had tried to do too much on my own and I had asked for God's help, but had really believed in my own ability to avoid evil and to meet every challenge. I had spent much time in prayer over the years. I had come to appreciate and thank God for his providence and care of men and of all men, but I had never really abandoned myself to it. In a way, I had been thanking God all the while that I was not like the rest of men, that he had given me a good physique, steady nerves, and a strong will, and that with these physical graces given by God, I would continue to do his will at all times and to the best of my ability. The sense of guilt and shame I felt was rooted in my failure to put grace ahead of nature, my failure to trust primarily in God rather than in my own power. The lesson that Father Chiswick learned under such harrowing circumstances is a lesson that must be learned on some level by all of us. Ultimately, what we all must learn is that no matter what our gifts, abilities, and training, no matter how hard we work, no matter what we are able to achieve, everything is a gift from God in Christ Jesus. Everything is grace. And God alone is the true source of our strength and our power in this life. And as we talk about conversion, that's the important thing that we need to recognize. This is the lesson taught to us by our Savior Jesus as well, right? Fearful of his passion and death, Jesus brought his weakness and his fear to the Father, abandoning himself to the Father in complete surrender. He was strengthened and transformed by the Father's love. With the help of his Father, Jesus submitted to his death, and as a resounding confirmation of the Father's care for him, the Father raised him up on the third day. So we're celebrating in this Lenten season. The passion and death of Jesus and the resurrection that accompanies it are proof for us of the Father's trustworthiness, not just in the promise of eternal life, but also in the promises he makes to us to be with us right here, right now, to provide for us, to assist us in every way. What is so amazing about Father Chiswick's story, I think, is that after the first year of capture, okay, we don't always recognize this timeline. After the first year of capture, he signed the confession. That moment of weakness, he called it. But after those life-changing moments where he realized he had to place his confidence in God, that he really was trusting in himself during all of that ordeal, and ultimately failed by signing that false confession, then he was able to endure almost 24 years in the hell of Russian prison, prisons with the strength and the courage provided by God. He was a changed man. This is what you read in the books, and it just blows you away. He was a changed man. He still had all his gifts. Those weren't diminished. He still was strong and stubborn and had willpower and all of that stuff, but it was all at the service of grace. It was all entrusted to the Father. And that made all the difference, all that he endured, the lack of fear that he had, the strength and courage that he had, all of it coming from a surrender to God, an abandonment to the power of grace in his life. 
It's amazing. Brothers and sisters, you, have, you all have so many gifts and talents, all of you. I have no doubt about that, but sometimes that causes us to think that we can really take care of everything that comes our way all on our own. We can sometimes make every decision on our own. We think conversion, it's all on us. You know, the, the, the burden of conversion, the burden of prayer, deep prayer, deep conversion, that's all on us. Our role is indispensable. God will not force himself. But inevitably, we all come upon those moments in life where we're just not strong enough. Those moments of failure in prayer and conversion and wherever, we're just not strong enough. We're just not perfect enough. We're just not brave enough to do the right thing. It happened to Jesus in his humanity in the garden. It happened to Father Chiswick after much torture. For us, probably it won't be crucifixion or a Russian prison, but it does happen. It will happen. It will be something significant for us or for our family. And when we proceed on our own anyway, wondering, hey, God, where were you? The consequences are often disastrous. And then we think that that's just the way life has to be. And oftentimes we just But our Savior has shown us another way. Like Father Chizik, we must realize our need for God, our dependence on God, to enable us to live the life of a disciple in the world today. We must realize our need for dependence on God just to live our lives in true freedom and freedom and peace. To be the men and women, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers that we know we're meant to be. We need God's grace. Relying on him, surrendering to him, recognizing the, the, the strength that comes from him. At the heart of conversion is grace. At the heart of deep prayer is grace. Convinced that one of the great, I'm convinced that one of the great keys to discipleship is in how we handle failure and sin. Golf helps to teach us that sometimes. I'm sure there's many other things in your life that also speak to that. But how do we handle failure and sin? Do we approach it with anger, frustration, looking inward at our own selves and our weakness and our, 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 our own struggles and, and uh, our failure, uh, that it's all on us? Or do we turn out surrendering to God, recognizing, admitting that we need his help? We need him. We need the gifts of his grace. How we handle failure and sin in the spiritual life and our relationship with God is key. Do we handle it with stubbornness and frustration and anger and eventually we quit? The true heart of deep conversion is abandoning ourselves to the mercy of God. Surrendering ourselves to the mercy of God. Who, mercy who recognizes our weakness, our sin, our struggles, our wounds, our pain, our past. And nevertheless loves us and continues to pursue us, pouring out his grace upon us, transforming us from the inside out. That's humility. That's humility exercised in meditative and contemplative prayer. That I'm surrendering to him, that I'm coming to him out of a need, a real need. And it's what allows us to persevere. And it's what allows us to get back up after we failed. A surrender to him and a confidence that he remains with us 
and that his power, his strength is, is great in our life and for our life. And it allows us to continue to try again and again and again, especially in that deep prayer, especially in that life of conversion, even when we fail. Father Chizik admits that it changed everything, his failure, but then recognizing why he failed and being able to then finally surrender himself in a real way to God, he admits that changed everything, everything for his life. And the rest of the time that he struggled in, in Russia, when he admitted that he was doing it all on his own, and he needed to surrender to the Lord. Listen, and sisters, he will do the same for us. We just abandon ourselves to him, surrender ourselves to him, admitting that we need his strength in our life. To me, that's the biggest key to real authentic conversion, deep conversion, continuous deep conversion, and deep, the deep life of prayer. Lent and Easter, as we live it here, is really a story of complete surrender and a Father who always provides. Provides for Jesus, for Father Jesus, and for us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this great content from St. Peter Catholic Church. For more content, for other talks, for more information, please visit St. Peter Catholic Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, on Apple iTunes or on Podbean, and at our parish website, stpeterlincoln.com. God bless you.